Uh, good morning. Even our youngest worshipers are getting it. We're in this series on fruitfulness and living fruitful lives. Um, it is so good to be with you. If you missed the announcements at the very, very beginning of the service, make sure you use some of these cards and invite your friends to some of our Easter week, Holy Week services. And as Tyler mentioned, our Monday, Thursday service is not at 6 a.m., which it says in the card, but it's at 6 p.m., so don't show up at 6 a.m. or we'll have, bring donuts if you do. Uh, I, I don't, you know, I looked at that over um, that little card to make sure it was right. Pastor John Gildner looked it over to make sure that it was right. So our office staff looked it over and we still missed it. Sometimes those things happen. In this very room yesterday, yesterday, I was so dopey. Um, John Livengood was here. We had a big children's quiz meet here yesterday. There was like 200 people here. And John Livengood, who used to be on staff, was here. He was here last Saturday as well because we had a big youth event. Uh, Celebrate Life was last weekend. And so Livengood was here last Saturday. Livengood was here this Saturday. I said, John, man, you're in the sanctuary on Saturday more than when you were on staff here. But... That's a whole other story. So we're over here talking, and, and the, the cousins came over. So Gwen and Megan and Gary, we're all standing right over the air, talking, talking, talking. And I get a text while we're talking, and I look at it. It's a text from John Livengood. He's right there. He's texting me. He's standing like, like three feet away from me. And so I look at the, I look at the text, and it sa said, um, um, I, I wrote it down so I wouldn't mess it up. It said simply this fly check. And I said, John, why in the world did you send me this check that said fly check? <laughs> and then I realized why. Then I realized I needed to do something that I hadn't done earlier in the day. <laughs> so dumb. Ah. All right. Hopefully I won't misspeak this morning. We are in this series called Fruitful talking about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. That's where we are today. Next week, gentleness, self-control. We'll wrap it up on Palm Sunday. And, and we've said that these fruit, one fruit, nine expressions, this fruit expressed in all of these ways are an outpouring of a life filled with the Spirit. In that same passage, Paul talks about being in step with the Spirit. And when we're in step with the Spirit, these attributes, these expressions will just overflow from us. And so today, it's faithfulness. Faithfulness is one you don't hear a lot these days. Maybe, you know, at a retirement party, oh, he was a faithful employee. Or, or you know, if you have a dog, oh, he's been my faithful companion, old yeller. Or, you know, maybe at a... Uh, anniversary, golden anniversary, you know, they've been married 50 years, they were a faithful couple. We'll say it in those type of terms. I heard of one guy at his, at his 50th uh, anniversary said something, they asked him to speak, and he said, well, old Clara, she's been faithful and true. And his wife didn't hear very well, and so old Clara said, what was that? And he said, well, for 50 years, you've been faithful and true. And she still said, what was that? He said, for 50 years, you've been faithful and true. And she said, well, after 50 years, I'm tired of you too. So I don't think that was exactly what was supposed to happen there. These attributes, we've said, these expressions are the attributes of God Almighty himself. And so we've talked about how God is loving and God is, is patient and God is kind and good last week. Today, God is faithful. You know that. 
The Bible speaks of it over and over again. In Deuteronomy chapter seven, it says this, know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. In the first service, we sang a song that probably most of you know. It's called Great is Thy Faithfulness. It's taken from Jeremiah's words in Lamentations 3, where Jeremiah wrote, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For this, his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And you know that's true, right? You've been there. You know that God is faithful and has been faithful. Well, how does this show up, play up in, in real life? I'm going to give you kind of a, a quick uh, uh, fasten your seatbelt, rattle off Bible passages of circumstances in life. So, for example, when temptations come, when, when something has gripped you and it seems like you can't break it and it's a temptation and it seems like you're, you're falling into it over and over again, what do you do? Where is God's response? Well, he tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, this is what it says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is what? Faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but you, when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. God is faithful. When you're suffering, when maybe that's a physical ailment, migraines, whether it's maybe it's a, a mental health issue or emotional issue, and you're going through it, and you don't know if you can make it another day, you don't know if you can take another step, what's God's word say? How is God in those circumstances? First Peter 4, 9, 19 says, so then, those who suffer accordingly to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. God created you. Just how you are, God created you. He is a faithful creator. And when you're going through the storms of life, when you are suffering, you can call on him. And this verse says you can make it, keep on going, put one foot in front of the other. He is a faithful creator. Yeah, but what about when you've, when you've totally blown it? I'm not talking about a misspeaking. I'm talking about when you have sinned so great, the worst of the worst, maybe. When you turn your back on God over and over and over again. When you think he knows your backside more than he knows your front side because of the way that you have responded to him again and again and again. 1 John 1, 9 says this, if we confess our sins, he is what? He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He is a faithful, faithful, faithful God. He's a God that says in both Old Testament, New Testament, be holy for I am holy. He calls us to live a pure life, a holy life. How in the world can we do that? First Thessalonians 5.23, may the God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you, make you holy through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful. And he will do it. The thing that's been circling around our house this week is death. Will God be faithful even as I'm taking my last breath? Even as I'm lying on that bed? Can I count on him to be faithful even in those moments? 1 Corinthians 1. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. 
who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We serve a faithful God. When we're, when we're tempted, he's faithful. When we're suffering, he's faithful. When we've sinned so deeply, he's faithful. When he calls us to be holy, he's faithful. And even to the end of life, he is faithful. I don't think I have to preach a sermon on that, quite frankly. Even if you were dragged into church this morning, even if you're listening online, you're, you're acting like you're not listening online, but you are listening online. Maybe your spouse or your friend is, is listening and you're just uh, there, but you're listening. Every single one of us knows that God is faithful. Yes. If you would be honest and admit it, you've been in tough times. You've wondered how you're going to make it. You've been through the storms. And God has been there. And when you've made it to the other side, you thought, oh my goodness, how in the world did I get here? Well, it was God that got you there. Are you kidding me? When you've gone through those storms, maybe it was sickness, maybe it was a mental health issue, maybe it was the loss of a friend or a a loved one, and you thought, how in the world could I make it another day? The way you've made it another day, we sang it this morning, it's not my strength, it's his strength. God is faithful. You can trust him. So I don't think that's really the question that we need to answer this morning. Again, we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. These expressions of the Spirit at work in us that overflow in us. And so the question isn't, is God faithful? But rather, are we faithful? Can he trust us? Will he look at us and say, well done, my good and faithful servant? Jesus tells that story in Matthew 25 where we get that phrase and that term. And this is the story that he tells. Again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. He gave one, he, to one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on a journey. The man who received five bags of gold went at once and put the, his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned, settled his accounts with them. The man who received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold, and see, I have gained five more. The master replied, those key words, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Wahoo! The man who had two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Woo-hoo! Uh-oh. Then the man who received one bag of gold came. Oh, master. Well, I knew you were a hard man. Harvesting where you hadn't sown, gathering where you hadn't scattered seed. That's kind of amazing. So, woo, I was afraid, went out, Hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. (laughs) The master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I haven't sown and gathered where I had not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put the money on deposit with the bankers 
so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him, give it to the one who has 10 bags, for whoever has will be given more, and whoever and will have abundance, and whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them, and throw this worthless servant outside into the darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. <sighs> what a story. Few, few observations from the story. The first one, certainly the biggest one, the master is coming back. Two servants, they worked hard, they were faithful, they did what they were supposed to do, and, 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 and everything worked out. One servant was not faithful, did not work hard, and didn't even put, verse 27, why'd you put the money in the bank? It wasn't Silicon Valley Bank that he we're talking about here. This is, you know, that's a whole other story. Why'd you put the money in the bank? That's a good question. Why bury it, why bury it? Carla's dad was a barrier. He was a money, he didn't trust banks that well. I mean, he did a little, but not a lot. And so he would, he would hide money. And he would hide money when he came to us. When we lived in Kansas and the boys were younger, he would hide money in our house. And so he'd put money, like a $5 bill, behind um, um, like a picture or, or he'd put money in like a jar or something that maybe we wouldn't open up for a little while, like, a, you know, just a knickknack. He'd stuff some money in there. And so whenever Grandpa left, it was kind of like a scavenger hunt. Where did Grandpa leave some money? So we're all looking around. Where did Grandpa leave the money? Which was fun at our house. It wasn't fun when, you know, he had Alzheimer's and we knew, we knew, we knew he had buried money in his property. He, they, had, they had their house and the property there and then they had a, a Christmas tree farm with several sheds and we are all convinced that he hid money throughout there. We found some in some strange and crazy places, but we didn't find it all. And I'm sure the new owners of the farm and the house, if they got out a Geiger counter, they would probably find more. He buried his money. Why did this guy bury the money? Why didn't, he go, why didn't he go to the bank? It's a good question. I think I know the answer. I don't think that guy thought the master was coming back. He was gone for a long time. The Bible says that, right? That's part of the story. You know, last couple of weeks, you've looked at the Good Samaritan story. There were, there were bandits along the way. He could have gotten beaten and killed. And back then, they didn't have the healthcare system like we have today, so he could have got sick and died. I think that guy thought he wasn't coming back. If he put the money in the bank, who's going to get the money? The heirs, maybe the guy's kids, his children, whomever. But if he hid the money, if he dug a hole and buried the money where no one else knew where it was, who would get the money if the guy didn't come back? I think he thought the guy's not coming back. The master's gone and he's not coming back. Once in a while, Carla will go away. She'll go, you know, on a ladies retreat or on a girls weekend or something and she'll take off. And Carla, Carla is the queen of clean. I mean, I mean, our house is spick and span almost always. It's spick and span. You can eat off the floors. It's spick and span. And so when she leaves, she may forget to tell me that she loves me, but she will not forget to say, listen, bud, when I come back, this house better look exactly as it does right now. And I know I have two choices. You know, I, when I was growing up, my siblings called me Rob the Slob. And so I could slip right back into that mode very easy, you know, I have dirty dishes in the sink and throw my socks wherever I want, have a trail of, of you know, potato chip crumbs from the pantry to the TV to the couch, have everything all over every place. I could do that. But I know she's small, but she's mighty. 
<laughs> you know, I, I, uh, what is it? Was Mr. T? I pity the fool that doesn't realize that the queen of clean is coming home. <laughs> I don't think this guy thought that Jesus was the master was coming back. I want you to know, Jesus is coming back. Amen. I don't know when. Jesus says, you know, don't worry about the dates and times. I don't know when, today, tomorrow, 100 years, 1,000 years. I have no idea. But I know this. Jesus is coming back. We in our church, we don't uh, uh, say that there's a preferred uh, way or, or the, uh, theology of when he's coming back, premillennialist, postmillennialist. I, I tell membership class that I had a professor, Rob Staples, that said he was a panmillennialist, meaning he thinks it's all going to pan out in the end. And I think that's, that's us. That's who we are. We, just, we, don't, we don't say you have to believe it this way. What we do say is you need to know Jesus is coming back. Amen. Someday, sometime, Jesus is coming back. And this story reveals that over and over again. I tell in, in every funeral that I preach, I, I did uh, Judge John Conover's funeral on Friday, and this Saturday is Lisa's memorial service. I'm, say I'll, I'm sure I'll say it in both when I quote uh, uh, John chapter 14. And if you've been to many funerals, you've heard this passage, no doubt, when Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, here's the part, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And when he does, he's going to ask us, what did you do with what I gave you? That's, I think, the point. The dude didn't think that the master was coming back. That's, I guess, first observation. Observation number two is the master entrusts us, you and me, with his gifts to use for his glory. In, in Luke chapter 19, Jesus tells a similar story. And in that story... Uh, he has the master saying this, put this money to work until I come back. Some versions say, do business until I come back. Why, did, why does God leave us to do his business? What is God's business? God's business is building his kingdom here on earth. God's business is what we pray all the time. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth in Flint as it is in heaven. God's business is seeing his kingdom built here in Flint as it is in heaven. What does that mean? Well, that, that means God's not gonna send some kind of lightning bolt or some whatever, you know, and beam down his kingdom into Flint. No, he's using you and me to build his kingdom here in Flint. He's using you and me to do his work, his bidding. I don't know why. Why in the world would God choose people like us with all our frailties, with all our hang-ups. You know, I get cranky, I get grumpy, I get, you do too, don't, you know, no amens. You, we get that way, we're people. Why would God use our frailties? But that's exactly what he does. God in his wisdom said, I'm the source, and you people in Flint, Michigan, you're the instruments for building my kingdom. And if my kingdom's gonna be built in Flint, it's going to be as you built it. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus said this, and it's still true, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. That's us. We're the, we're the workers. 
And Jesus is saying, if my message is gonna be spread, it's gonna be spread as you love and as you care and as you reach out and as you uh, uh, are compassionate and as you, you talk to your neighbors, as you invite them to Holy Week Easter service. What was the number that, that, that was given? Nine, 82%, I think is what Tyler said. 82% of people say they would come if a friend invited them. See, that motivates me. If God's kingdom is built because of our activity, and that's what Jesus is saying, and if God's kingdom grows in proportion to my using the gifts that he has given me, and that's what he is saying, then man, oh man, I want to I see his kingdom built. Amen. What price do you pay for someone that you know, a friend of yours that is not a follower of Jesus? What price is it that they would make it into heaven? Think of someone that you love that doesn't know Jesus. What, what's it worth for them to make it into heaven? I mean, it's worth everything, right? And so as we care, as we have a relationship, as we love and show love and kindness and all these fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all of these things to our friends that don't know Jesus using the gifts that God has given us, the, the intuition, the strengths, the talents, the treasure, the, the energy, all of those things, what does it take? See, because I believe that God uses his faithful witnesses for his glory. This church, we've been here for 103 years. You know, we celebrated our 100th anniversary when we were 101, thank you, COVID. And during that time, we talked about some of the faithful people that have come before us the Dean Rice's. Dean Rice was a guy, he's buried in, in, in Crestwood Cemetery. Dean Rice, when we were building the old building that was on this location, back in like 1960, 61, whatever it was, he mortgaged his house and gave that money to the church so it could be built here. We're here because of people like Dean Rice. We're here because of people like, you know, Keith Burba. We're here because of people like Walt Brewer, who in the first service plays a trombone. I, I wouldn't say in the first service how old Walt was because he was sitting in there, but Walt's over 70, and he was in our nursery. And his dad was the treasurer of this church for like 25, 30 years. And I talked to Walt after the first service. I said, Walt, how did your folks, how did your mom and dad come to church here? And he said, oh, well, I, well my, they started coming in the 20s. So there's been brewers at this church for, you know, a hundred years. Dennis Freeman's sitting right there. His mom, his mom played the piano for 25 years. We are here because of faithful people before us. That's my point. We are here because they were, they were faithful. They served Jesus. They were, and we've had faithful pastors. A.O. Cooper, the guy who started the church 100 years ago, 103 years ago. It's crazy to think of it, but he had, he had kids late in life. His first wife died. He had a second wife, had them late in life. His daughters are still living. Bunny and Adeline, they were here for our 100th anniversary. They were faithful. And we've had other faithful pastors like, like Dr. Parrott, Dr. Martin, uh, Alan Dace. His, his, his wife, Virginia, just died. We had Dr. Rath. He was pastoring here and went on a mission trip. They were on a mission trip to South Africa, which was where he was from. He had a heart attack and died on the mission field. That was like in 2004, something like that. And you know, this church, his wife, his, his widow is Clara, 
Clara lives in Oklahoma City. We have continued to pay her health insurance every year since then. She's our widow, right? We're taking care of her. What does that say? It says we're, we've had faithful people prior to us that have got us to this point. When we were doing the Imagine uh, initiative, which we're still in, and it'll go through the rest of this year, and, and thank you for your giving. You know, by December, we'll have this building paid off. That's the goal. Maybe January, but I think December. And if you haven't been to the, the preschool areas and, and nurseries, that's all been renovated. The offices have been renovated. The playground equipment is sitting in the parking lot. All that stuff is getting done that we said we were going to get done. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And during that campaign, do you remember what we said? We said we want to be planting trees that we might not climb. It's, it's being the Dean Rices and the Keith Burbus and the Don and Bev Webbers, and the people who've gone before us, and being faithful and faithful and faithful. Because you see, Jesus has given us gifts and abilities and talents and treasures, not to just sit on them, not to bury them, but to use for his glory. And if God's kingdom is gonna be built in Flint as it is in heaven, it's as people like you and me use those gifts and abilities for his glory. The observations from the story, the king is coming back and the king has given us uh, resources. He, is, he has given us the, the abilities and the talents and the treasure that we have to be used for his glory. And there's one other observation that I have to make. And that is, everyone will be held accountable to uh, the use of those resources. You know, when the master returned, he looked at the dude who had five, five bags of gold. What you do with it? Man, I made 10. To the dude that had two bags of what you do a man I made four there is no comparison he says the exact same thing both to the five bag gold bag guy and the two gold bag guy well done good and faithful servant come and share in your master's happiness the only one he was upset with was the guy that did nothing I think I think the master would have been happier if the guy tried and lost the the the, the one bag of gold I think if, the, if he would have come back and said, listen, man, I tried I try my best. I know you're a hot guy. I tried my best, but oh, man, I invested it. I thought it was a great investment, but poof, I lost it. But Jesus doesn't tell the story that way, and you know why? Because Jesus understands the spiritual principle. You cannot invest the gifts that God has given you and come out a loser. Impossible. If God's given you abilities and talents and treasure and you use it for his glory, somehow, some way, somehow, God's, going to, God's glory is going to become. When you use your gifts, the things that God has given you, your talent, your money, your treasure, your time, your energy, when you use that for God's glory, God will get the glory. Amen. And maybe you won't see it immediate, but you'll see it. See, because that's the way it works. When we invest in God's kingdom, God gets the glory. So Matthew 25 the observations are the master's coming back. He's given you and me gifts and abilities to use for his glory and we'll be held accountable for how we did it. When Jesus returns, and he is gonna return, he's not gonna ask me, you know, how, how Pastor Tyler used his gifts and abilities. He's not gonna ask me how Carla used her gifts and abilities. He's not gonna ask me about my parents, what did they do for my siblings. No, he's gonna say, Rob Prince, what did you do for, for my kingdom? What did you do with the gifts and abilities that I gave you? We're accountable. 
for how we use the things that God has given us. Now you probably knew today I would talk about my friend Lisa. You want a picture of faithfulness? Her name was Lisa Faulkner. That's the picture. Lisa uh, passed away this Monday. Um, she was diagnosed with terminal cancer on December 18th, 2018. Given uh, three to six months to live. If you do the math, which I did, it comes out to she lived 1,546 days. That's a little more than three to six months. And the last... 473 days she lived with Carla and I. And so when uh, you live with someone for 473 days, you learn about them. And to be honest, we didn't, when she moved in with us, we thought it was going to be, you know, two to three months. She was given three to six months to live over three, you know, three years prior. And so we thought we had two to three months with Lisa and we were going to just have her at our home until she went to heaven. And that turned out to be about 15, 16 months. And if you don't know Lisa, this is, this, let me describe her for you. On Wednesday nights, she would come to church and she'd sit right there where Brigitte is. And she'd be in there when the choir was practicing. And she'd be sitting down there, choir's back there, and she'd have her hand up and she'd be singing along. And, and when the band was in here, she was sitting right there where Brigitte is. And as the band was playing, she'd have her hands up and she'd be praising Jesus. Lisa, she didn't have anything. The most she ever made was $13 an hour at Croker. And, and you know, she, when she died, she had $400 in her, in her bank account. She had, a, she had an old car that had like almost 300,000 miles on it. When she couldn't drive, she gave it to a guy, a single dad who had four children, and his piece of junk car was worse than her piece of junk car. And so she just gave it to him. And you want to talk about somebody? That what she had, she gave to Jesus. Her joy, her, her laughter, her life. This past year, she, I mean, she was a fighter, right? She has fought her whole life. And she did not have an easy life. And she did not have an easy childhood. And it was tough. And so she had to fight for everything. And she was fighting for her nephews. You know, you ask, how in the world can you live for, you know, four plus years when you were given three to six months? It's because she wanted her nephews to be in heaven with her and her family. And so she wrote out Bibles before and gave them to them and all that stuff. And she's fighting, fighting, fighting. One of her nephews uh, came to know Jesus in November and sent her a video of her, him getting baptized. He's a senior in college in Boston. She's fighting for those nephews. On Monday, she's dying. She's at our house. And, and Carla was there and Carolyn Mansfield from our church. Oh, Carolyn is a saint. She lived at our house the last two weeks. And helping Carla and other ladies came in. Our church, it was such a beautiful expression of God's kingdom. The people were so helpful and coming in and caring for Lisa. It was awesome. Well, Monday she's dying and Carolyn's at the foot of her bed and her brother was there and his wife, Sally, and, and her mom was there and Carla was up by the, her head. 
And Carla reached down. Lisa had been non-responsive for about the last three days, four days. She would sometimes move her eyebrows up or, or she'd acknowledge you just by the way she moved her eyes, but she really hadn't made any kind of statement or speaking or anything like that. So Carla's right down by her head. She's, she's dying. Clearly, she's dying. She says, Lisa, don't you want to quit fighting and go to heaven? And Lisa fought her whole life and fighting for her nephews and her family to know Jesus. She, she comes, aren't you, ready? aren't you ready to quit fighting? Go to heaven? And Lisa hadn't responded. goes, shook her head, no. <laughs> she wasn't done yet. Well, she was done. 20 minutes later, she was in heaven. I tell you all that. I tell you, when Jesus looks at her, I guarantee you the one thing he's going to say is, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. I don't know the logistics of that, quite honestly. Millions of people are going to make it to heaven. Millions of people. How is Jesus going to go to each one? I don't know, but I know this. He can skip over me and go right to Lisa and say, well done, Lisa. Well done, good and faithful servant. And the thing is, he's going to ask us, what did you do with what you had? Lisa didn't have much, but what she had, she gave to Jesus. What about you? How are you using your time, your treasure, your talents? Are, they use, are you using them for, for Jesus? We got this life to build his kingdom. That's all we got. For Lisa, it was 58 years. I don't know how long I've got, but I know this. I want to use what I got for Jesus. Amen. He's been faithful to me. I want to be faithful to him. Let's sing that song that we already sang, Great is Your Faith. Can we do that? Why don't you stand and let's sing that before we go.